0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis, 2011, and Ryan. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as
0: always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, how you doing? I'm good, yeah. I uh, woke up this morning... I had a bit of chicken. Watched mm. some Supernatural while I was squatting, getting those quads going for Dean. Nice, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it revving my engine. Oh, mm. give me some Winchester. Yeah, so I am. Uh, I'm on season six, episode one. Um, so out of fifteen seasons, I'm getting there. Almost at the halfway mark. When did you uh,
1: re- do your resta- uh, restart? Like when did you start watching it again? Couple months ago.
0: Okay. Um, I. I Maybe start of COVID, um, when I was furloughed, I watched the first three seasons. So I picked up on season four. Okay. okay. It like a couple months ago. So I'm I'm slowly tracking along. Um I I think I talked to you about this, but after I watch all 15 seasons, I'm getting the tattoo of the anti possession on my left pectoral nice now is yeah. this
1: because you're in fear of being possessed eventually
0: of course yeah there's ghosts everywhere <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> demons and yeah. like werewolves like jins like genies like I, I i fear that robin williams and will smith are collectively gonna possess me and i will get zero wishes well
1: so. you know i saw a couple of ghastlies and hunters up uh broad street the other
0: day <laughs> I don't own any Pokeballs, because I was never able to forge one, mm. So, because I didn't have the correct apricorns.
1: Interesting. Well, this is the Builders podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, we talk about video games and stuff. It's really fun times, and this week, uh, today, it's been, I think, two weeks since we've actually recorded, yeah. because we were in a little getaway last weekend on vacation with the family, and uh, so we want to talk about that. And I have just been watching an insane number of horror films the past Mm -hmm. couple weeks, just really getting in the mood in the spooky season, as it were. And we also have a number of news stories to get to. A lot of PlayStation focus, but there's also um, one particular Microsoft story that I think is rather interesting that we will get to. And then uh, just the games that we've been playing recently. We're going to keep pretty chill, pretty low key this week, and then uh, just continuing to itch... uh, inch closer to episode 100 ryan yes really it's quickly approaching <laughs> <laughs> it is and hopefully um i will have a new pc at that time whether it's the gaming laptop that's been repaired at that point or um a powerhouse of a a dream machine yeah
0: that's right we will see but uh ryan what were your thoughts about the michigan trip it was a lot of fun no it was a horrible time like being on the lake just being relaxed and happy i just hate it the worst yeah No, it was a good time. Um, So we had an Airbnb on Lake Huron. We literally walked out the back door and it was the lake, Mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. Originally, we had that scheduled for April, um, but because of the pandemic, we had to push it back and it was for my father's 60th birthday. Um, So we went, uh, I guess, last weekend and it was chilly, but it 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 wasn't unbearable. It was nice to just sit by or in the living room, look out back, see the lake and mm-hmm. the bridge, and just not be at work or in our normal location.
1: Yeah, know I liked it. I um, I really need to start listening to Lauren more when she like <laughs> s- says important things to me. Yeah. Because um, I mean, we've been talking so about smart. this trip for months, obviously, because we were supposed to go earlier this year, and uh, I never really anticipated how far up the Upper Peninsula was in Michigan right? compared to where we live. So I figured, you know, it's probably about a three to four hour drive. And it actually ended up turning out to be like an eight hour drive. Uh, so we, we kind of met up in Bowling Green, our alma mater, mm-hmm. and we had some food. We stopped at Penn Station, got some subs. It was nice and tasty. And then we booked it back up. And thankfully, maybe thankfully is not the right word I would use in front of you, uh, but we drove separately cool god i didn't have to sit in the car for eight hours with ryan uh but no i mean with family vacations i think it's very important to kind of have your time alone with your significant other get as far
0: away from family on family vacations as possible
1: well i mean it's just like the cruise we took last year to alaska like i didn't want to do everything with your parents at all times because as much as that was a family vacation it was a time for lauren and i to get off and do our own thing whatever that ended up being right yeah and so for us the drive up and the drive back home was kind of that for yeah. for this particular vacation. So it was good times. We were just cranking up some really great tunes. Uh, unfortunately though when we got to the when we crossed the Michigan border the weather was horrible. Yes. we're uh, driving through Ohio was really nice. Really sunny. Probably around 60 65 degrees. The
0: roads are not bumpy at all.
1: Yeah, well paved, well taken yeah. care of.
0: Our and, tax dollars are doing well.
1: And then we got to Michigan and it was like driving through Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it was was. pouring
1: down rain, super bumpy roads, potholes
0: everywhere, semis trying to drive you off the road. Yeah. There was, like, snow for, like, a patch of, like, 30 feet. And then nowhere else was there snow. And there was, like, cars off the road, Mm -hmm. just in ditches. It was chaos. It didn't excite me for winter.
1: Um, So I'm hoping we can ride out this fall season
0: as long as possible. See, I don't know if that's, like post-covid driving where we've all forgot and we should probably all get our licenses removed no like michigan is always chaotic is it yeah because i had to drive up there for work five
1: days a week when i was still living up in bowling green and it was insane i had to drive up to ann arbor every day because that's where one of my clients were and it was nuts it was seriously like a bat out of hell i listened to meatloaf every
0: single time (laughs) i was trying to drive home it was crazy I mean, this is why OSU is so much better than Michigan.
1: Well, yeah, I think this is probably <laughs> one of many reasons why. Yeah.
0: No, I mean we we just got to the bottom of the UP too. Mm-hmm. After like six and a, depending on how fast you're going, like you guys were driving like crazy people. Yeah, it took us like six hours, um, but the UP on top of where we were was another probably eight plus hours mm-hmm. just to get to the top of that. Yeah. But it was a good time. Um, we went to Mackinac Island. Um, the drive, or not drive over, the boat trip over there was freezing. Yeah, that like, was also one
1: of the most anxiety-provoking things of my life. We're probably. packed in for COVID. We were like packed in like sardines. I was thinking like, okay, they're definitely going to take necessary precautions with COVID. And really the only precaution they were taking was wearing masks, which yeah. obviously we were wearing masks everywhere. Even when we were on Mackinac Island walking through the streets, we were wearing masks. But um, people were not doing that very often yeah um and so definitely a risk i wasn't necessarily willing to take but your dad was really gung-ho about wanting to do it because he would turn 60 and it was his birthday um but your dad's also someone that's kind of the prime age group for yeah he just hit
0: that like higher risk demographic
1: yeah so i mean thankfully the family's safe we had a really good time uh mackinac island was beautiful but i wasn't very thrilled about the boat trip over
0: no um Yeah. Uh, I I think we checked the box of sickness for like family vacations on the cruise last year. Yeah. We walked away. For like at least three more vacations. We walked away
1: all diseased. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's ears were dying for weeks. Everyone's ears were infected. People were coughing.
0: That was miserable.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally, the drive home reminded me of the scene from School of Rock (laughs) when they wouldn't allow them into the Battle of the Bands and then. Jack Black walks back to the people and he's like, please allow them to audition. And he's like, oh, what's wrong? And I don't remember what he was saying, but basically all the kids were dying of some terminal illness. Yeah, terminal illness. And they're all like laying on the side of the road coughing. Um,
0: That's how it looked. But like our drive home, like your mom sounded like she was hacking up a lung. I was dying in the front seat. (laughs) I was like barely alive (sighs) because like that plane ride. I don't know what the dude next to me was thinking. But, like, I was supposed to be on the outside, and this Indian guy was like, no, you you can have the inside seat. I was like, okay, like, you're going to be infected, so, like, either way, I don't give a crap. So, I was just hacking up a lung, and, like, my nose was just... It felt like Niagara Falls. Yeah. Just everywhere. And I just, I didn't have enough tissues. I couldn't hear. And like when you have an ear, ear infections, you're not supposed to fly in a plane. Yeah, you start hallucinating. Yeah. Planes. And then like your eardrums explode. And then like, that's why I need my anti-possession tattoo because I could have been possessed.
1: It's all coming full circle. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this guy, he's, I mean, I don't know if he's with us <laughs> anymore. <laughs>
1: Well, that was a year ago. This was pre-COVID.
0: But yeah, Mackinac Island, going back, was a lot of fun. That trip was great. Um, We were the ones who stayed up late and watched movies.
1: Yeah, we did watch quite a few movies. Uh, Questionable movies. Some of them were ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um, It makes me wonder if I was really scared back in like the 2000s or early 2000s at those movies. Well, that's kind of what
1: I wanted to talk about because I think it's really interesting. Someone who has been watching horror movies since like the ripe age of like three uh because my mom and, and her friend that lived down the street from us were just humongous fans of horror films yeah and so i watched pet cemetery 2 and john carpenter's original 1978 halloween when i was five or six years old had nightmares for years but it kind of just instilled in me the love or at least appreciation for these types of movies but I think it's particularly interesting, like when you get into the two thousand to two thousand five to eight time frame, where it was kind of just this revival of slasher, lots of gore, crazy, almost torture porn type stuff. Because not only did you have the remakes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, those types of films, yeah. uh, Friday the Thirteenth, but you also had. Uh, did I just say Friday the Thirteenth twice?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Okay, um, but you also had like the Saw movies and Hostel, where it was like literally felt like torture porn craziness.
0: I could never like the Saw movies never intrigued me at all. No, I like it's hey, you have like a bear trap on your head. Like if you don't get a key by digging it out of your like lower intestines, then like it's gonna snap your head like a pumpkin. Yeah, it's like what? How does that sound fun? First like, of all, I don't know
1: how <laughs> someone can think that kind of story. I mean, that's nuts to me. Yeah. But then also to have the desire to like, gosh, I just want to watch people do that.
0: Like Like, at that time I was watching like more possession stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff intrigued me way more than like, let's watch people just, I mean, do we want to get into the movies that we like? Yeah, we will. But I mean, I kind of want to just
1: continue to talk about like the progression of horror film, because then the next four to five years, Was the paranormal activities, the omens, the insidious movies, the these possession type films, but then I love my favorite type of horror movie, especially these this past five to six years, has been the kind of the psychological thrillers. The one where it's um, your next is a good one. The visit, um, there's us, us, and get out. The one where it follows, where it was like a really callback to old John Carpenter type weird. And they're synth not super soundtrack. high
0: budget, or they don't really have to be. It's more just, I mean, yeah. Just I mean, Blumhouse more indie
1: type. Well, Blumhouse Productions has made a number of these movies, including, I think, they're responsible for the Halloween recent remake in two thousand eighteen. Mm. Most of these movies, the budget is like five to ten million dollars, and then they end up making in the box office like hundred to two hundred plus. Yeah. So then it's like they have a chance to kind of gamble
0: and just kind of throw things out there, experiment a little bit. There was, I think there is another movie that just came out. I think it's a horror movie where it's some girl who's potentially a lawyer, like she's high status and she goes, I don't know if they like find her, but they yank her back to like being a slave Mm. and with like a bunch of other people and they have to find their way out. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's by one of the Peels, like, Jordan Peele. Oh, okay. Um, or at least his production company.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's responsible because the only ones he's done to this point... is just us and get out. Us and get out. So, trust me. But it... That'd be top of it, mind for me. I would have yeah. seen that already.
0: Yeah. I'll have to find <clears> the uh, actual title. But it, it looked really interesting. It looked like another psychological...
1: Yeah, so a couple I watched prior to the Michigan trip because I was just so in the mood to watch these horror movies and on Amazon Prime... You can actually sign up for like a, a test trial run of seven days, no additional charge to your Prime account uh, for like Cinemax, and okay. Cinemax has a ton of more recent movies that have come out, both just action, adventure, but also horror, drama, whatever. Um, well, actually, the first one I watched, I actually had to pay and rent uh, rent. That's not part of the Cinemax catalog or library, but it's Joyride. Have you ever seen Joyride? No, I've never heard of that. So, this is a really early Paul Walker film prior to his uh, Fast and the Furious endeavors. Okay. But he probably got the role, or at least a contributing factor to him getting the role was this movie called Joyride, where he goes on this cross country trip with one of his, his brother actually, who has been in and out of jail for just really ridiculous crimes um, to find, not find, but pick up the girl of his dreams mm. who's like living on campus or whatever. Well, his brother—they have this weird radio machine in their car, and the brother is kind of teasing these trucker drivers. So I don't know if this is true or not, but like truckers will kind of put these signals out there, communicate with one another. Yeah. And the brother was just like, "Oh, let's let's give this guy a hard time." And basically pretends that he's um, Candy Cane is kind of their code name, and he says, "Hey, do you want to meet us at this hotel at this time at this night?" And this guy with this really gruff cigarette smoking whiskey drinking voice is like you know yeah like let's meet at this place candy (laughs) cane type of thing so they keep toying with them but then eventually the person keeps radioing them back and saying like hey where are you at and so then they get kind of caught in a trap because it's like oh this guy's actually gonna come find us well to make a long story short this guy goes above and beyond making sure that he finds these kids eventually they um, they meet the girl, they pick up the girl, and mm-hmm. it's this hour-and-twenty-minute adrenaline-driven adventure of them trying to get away from this truck driver.
0: Sounds interesting. It's pretty good. It's, yeah. yeah.
1: And especially for Paul Walker. I mean, it's it's somewhat kind of cheesy, but it definitely kind of plays on the sh- the popcorn fun of the Fast and the Furious films.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that being a precursor. Yeah. The next two I watched were... That reminds me of that one rate like Road Rage movie that just came out. Road Rage. There's one where, like some girl honks at some guy and then like he chases them and like tries to kill them biker boys with ice cube <laughs> probably <laughs> what's the last time ice cube's been in a movie um probably, probably 22 Sc- jump street right or straight out of compton uh oh yeah i guess that was more recent um
1: we love you ice cube you want to be in the show holler at your boy uh the next two i watched are mom Ma- we can't afford ice cube <laughs> probably not <laughs> Um, the next two we watched, or, or next two I watched, I should say, these are on the Cinemax library right now, are Ma with yeah, o- Octavia Spencer. So this is the one where those kids go to the um, like the Seven Eleven. They want to get a bunch of beer and just yeah. party it up. And then Octavia Spencer's character, who they just kind of refer to as Ma eventually, is like, yeah, I'll get your kids a bunch of beer. Why don't you come over to my place and we'll just party it up in my basement? Well, eventually it starts to get like a little weird because the mall gets all of their cell phone numbers and starts like incessantly calling them and text messaging them and gets almost starts blackmailing them and all kinds of stuff. Well, I won't go into the details of like why she wants to kind of get after these kids. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. It is one of those movies, though, that like you see in the commercials, you go and watch with your friends like as teenagers, you get dropped off by your parents in the seventh grade
0: yeah and then you kind of never watch it again you know it's it's just yeah it's just not something that uh so what would you describe it as is it a in the horror genre where would it fall thriller thriller yeah it's definitely
1: not freaky or scary anything it's just kind of is it
0: gory uh not enough to be a gore
1: a little bit there there are a few particular scenes where i kind of cringe and had to pull my head away okay because it was kind of just messed up to be honest with you Mm. um but it's not two over the top like uh, the Saw movies or anything like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, what
0: would you give that out of ten?
1: Uh, seven and a half. Okay. It was good times. Yeah, it was, it was definitely fun. Uh, the next one I watched, probably the same thing, I gave a seven and a half uh, that also intrigued me when I saw it advertised was Greta. Okay. So this is the movie starring Chloe Marie Cortez or Mortez or whatever. She was kind of a childhood actor um, and has since made a name for herself in a couple other films as well. <clears throat> But um she is on the subway living in Manhattan, and she finds a purse with no one there to claim it. So she picks it oh, up. Yeah yeah,. I remember and this. she opens it up and sees that it belongs to this person. So she goes to this lady's house, she befriends this person, she comes in for tea, and then the crazy old lady like drugs her and keeps her hostage. And- there, like,
0: didn't she open like a door and there's like a bunch of purses.
1: Yeah, so she, yeah, she opens up another thing and realizes that, oh my goodness, this lady has done this a number of times. Yeah. So it kind of eventually you find the backstory of why this lady is so crazy, um, and it's, again, kind of similar to Ma, where it's just this crazy one and a half hour thriller figuring out whether or not this girl is going to be able to escape. So Are they worth
0: watching? Which one would you
1: recommend? Honestly, I don't know if I could recommend one more than the other. I think they're both unique enough where i think they're fun to watch um would i suggest people go out and buy these on blu-ray for 20 bucks absolutely not but if you if you have prime um sign up for the cinemax account and watch these and then cancel your account you know i mean yeah plus i mean there's a ton of movies on the cinemax subscription thing um that are worth watching so yeah i think mod were both worth worth the price of admission and by that i
0: mean free nice so nice
1: but uh The next movies I have on the list here are actually things that we watched while we were in Michigan. Okay. So the first one... Well, I
0: can go through the movies I've watched, and it's really not many, um, because I've been doing like Supernatural, Mm. and just some like happy shows after uh, work. I watched Hercules last night. Like the Disney movie? Yeah, because I got booted off of Netflix watching, trying to watch uh, Haunting Haunting of Bly Bly of Bly. Bly Manor. Yeah. Because both of you guys were using it and I was just mooching too hard. So I I had to mooch on uh, Disney Plus. (laughs) That's right. Because you
1: basically mooch off all my accounts. uh, Whoa. Yes. It's true. So I was watching... (laughs) Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and Netflix. All of them. Yeah,
0: but you mooch off of Netflix from your dad. No, I own the Netflix account. Oh, do you? Yeah. So I was watching her... (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have a good rebuttal to that one. So moving on. Um, I'm married honestly, to your sister, so... That's true. That's
1: the trump card, I guess, here.
0: I feel like I use that too much. You do. It's getting old. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> definitely need, wearing thin. You need new ammo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Hercules. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck, what ammo can I gain? <laughs> I did help you move. I, I, can, I can milk that for, like, a day or at least a week. was Hercules? So, Hercules. I, I really like that movie. I love all the music. Um, it's just a good time. I I also started watching Mulan after that. Oh, nice. Before I went to bed. You could never go wrong with Mulan, um, or those Disney classics, but I I would say I definitely like Mulan a little bit better than Hercules, because let's get down to business.
1: That's tough. I mean, when I write my top 10 Disney movies, which is the list I need to revisit. I'm guessing,
0: uh, uh, Lion King's number one.
1: Yeah, Lion King was number one, Aladdin was number two. Beauty and the Beast was number three, and I think Hercules probably came in at four, okay. and then Mulan maybe five. Okay, that's a solid list.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I need to rewatch Aladdin. It's mm-hmm. been a long time since I watched the original. Oh, it's so good. Did, have, you saw the remake of it, right? I didn't, actually. I have not watched it. Really? Yeah.
1: uh that's surprising. I, it's been on my list. It's on Disney Plus now. I really have no excuse, but I just haven't really gotten around to it. I mean, I, I definitely have no um, frustrations or... Disagreement. It's because you hate Will Smith. Well no, I that's think. what I was just about to say. Like I think he was great for the role. Um, because one, you can't replicate Robin Williams' performance and you need someone that has a ton of charisma that can come in and make that role his own, just like Robin Williams once did. Mm-hmm. And from the footage I've seen, Will Smith did absolutely just that, you know.
0: No, I think he did a really good job. They definitely modernized the character a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can't replace Robin Williams. No. Nope. Well, yeah, Disney. Nice. It's basically, what I watched. And then we watched some stuff in Mackinac Island, which was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the first one um, is actually a film that I watched a couple weeks back. I, um, well, I watched The Notebook with Lauren for the first time. Yeah. And I have this I don't know if problem is the right word, but when I watch a film with a particular actor or actress. I kinda just go on this binge of all of their films. So I do it at least once a year with Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Okay. That's I make good. the
1: mistake of watching Titanic, I cry my eyes out, and then I go and watch like every Leo movie ever. What's your favorite Leo movie? Oh geez. Yeah. Um well one recently that's definitely not my favorite, but really interesting, is the basketball diaries.
0: I've never even heard of that. It was
1: in the nineties. Leo was has for the role obviously but he was in um a prep school on a basketball team and they start using like these uppers i don't even know what drug it is to kind of get that extra edge for the basketball games
0: Amphetamines or something
1: yeah but then he obviously becomes addicted and i think it is it's even like i didn't end up finishing it because it was just so heavy i just needed to turn it off because it was like late at night on a sunday and i'm like this is rough um but i think it's a gateway drug into other things and he just starts spiraling out of control Um, Mm. but I think it's a a really realistic and interesting look at certainly drug use in teens because even around us and I think just everywhere across the United States, like opioid use around in teens is like a huge problem, which is insane that 25 years later, that's still such a prevalent issue. Um, but gosh, let's get back to lighter subjects.
0: (laughs) Um, so romance movies. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: I watched The Notebook and Rachel McAdams is... One of my favorite actresses. She's really good. Love her to death. She just seems like such a sweet person. We watched
0: two of her movies, actually. We did. Yeah, we did.
1: Um, And so, About Time. I watched that many moons ago or a couple weeks back. And it also has... um, Gosh, his name escapes me. But he played the older brother, Bill Weasley, in the Harry Potter films. But he also played um, uh, General Hux in The Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. He was
0: also in Ex Machina. Yeah, so, I mean, the he's a nerdy guy he, he has a good catalog yeah
1: he's definitely made a number of he's been in a number of great movies um and so about time is a really interesting kind of chick flick romance movie where he finds out when he's probably in his 20s that his dad or the men in their family can actually go back in time
0: yeah
1: and so once he learns this ability he kind of talks to his dad who he's like well can i use this power this ability to get a girlfriend type of thing yeah um, and it's what i loved about it it has so much british humor in it which is really just dry sarcastic comedy yeah, that i love because that's kind of the comedy that or the humor that your family has and it's kind of what has I, kind of in- yeah. influenced
0: me quite a bit in the past couple of years we've so. definitely turned you a little bit to the darker side
1: yeah that's right and so It's just kind of a movie about him meeting Rachel McAdams and the trials and tribulations of family not being able to change his sister in this instance who kind of gets wrapped up in some just horrible dudes, drug use, drinking problems, things like that. And so him kind of wrestling with focusing on living every day as best you can with the people you love but also knowing that you really can't always control the outcome of everyone else around you Mm -hmm. and so i think there's just a lot of really great life lessons in it but it's also just really funny what
0: were your thoughts i really liked it yeah um it wasn't a normal chick flick um it, it makes me wonder like what i'd do with that power yeah um like not whether i'd use it for good or evil but like what's the extent like is it Morally acceptable to Change someone from not liking you to like liking you by time-traveling like the whole concept of like he creepily went up to a girl and like Redid it like a hundred times or whatever to get her to fall in love and then as that story Progresses is like did she have any free will in that instance?
1: Well, I think she did because when they first met so it's interesting how they meet It's kind of like
0: a... Because I missed the first 20 minutes. I have to preface it by saying, I don't know how it started. So let me set that scene for you real quick. Okay. So he and his buddy,
1: um, they're lawyers. They work together. They Mm. go to this bar of sorts where everyone gets paired with another person. Okay. Um, It's kind of like a blind date. And by blind date, it's literally a blind date because they turn the lights off. Oh. And so you sit at the table with this person. It's kind of like, what's your name? Uh, my name is Mary. Mary is my mother's name. And then they had kind of this cute, awkward little first interaction. They end up leaving there because they really hit it off. And they go back to her place. And that's when they end up having sex. But the, the funny thing, what, what you saw, because that's kind of when you first walked into watching the movie. Because everyone was kind of doing their own thing in the cabin. Hanging out with different people and talking with different people. Um, I think, no, we were running for pizza
0: across the bridge.
1: That's, that's right. That's what it was. That's right. And... um, so yeah, that he he redoes that scene to make it as seamless and kind of like romantic as a, as possible, as opposed to be like super awkward. Okay. Uh, but they actually do hit it off, and it's not like he he redid the conversations a million times. Because I to was in like in an
0: art her. museum where I started, and like he basically like stalked her to like figure out information, and then he went back in time and like did it seamlessly at like a party. Mm-hmm. But like. Starting there is a totally different interpretation of like the entire movie. You need to watch
1: the whole thing. I definitely recommend people do. It's I don't want to spoil anything else, but it's just a really, really great movie. And it's actually on Netflix right now. Uh, so definitely check that one out. It's a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. The next one, this was kind of just like the girls were doing their thing and the guys just sat down and watched a movie. And I'm like, listen, if you've never seen this movie, you have to watch it because it's one of my favorites ever. It's probably top 20 movies for me. Um, and I watched it at the Dollar Theater growing up. And I walked out of it, telling my dad that I wanted to be a professional jouster. <laughs> Which I quickly yeah. found out that that's no longer a thing. I'm, yeah, I'm,
0: it's been a dead profession for like 400
1: years. <laughs> <laughs> but that is uh, a Knight's Tale, starring Heath Ledger. This one was so good. In a number of movie or a number of other prominent actors, including um, uh, Vision. Uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, it escapes me. Um, I can't remember. And, and it had
0: Robert Baratheon in it.
1: Yeah, there's just a lot of really prominent actors that came out like in 2001, early 2000s. And uh, I won't go into the story, but I just kind of want to hear your thoughts.
0: Dude, I love the crap out of this movie. It was yeah. a good time. It wasn't like, I mean, the action was good. I mean, mostly jousting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had a good character development and it was funny and it w- it wasn't too intense. Like, it didn't take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Well, plus, it just has a ridiculously good soundtrack. It does. I mean,
1: you've got... I, I was not expecting all of any of those songs, really. I mean, you've got Backman Turner Overdrives. Queen. Um, um, what's th- Low Rider. You've got Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town, ACDC's You Shook the Night Long, uh, David Bowie's The Golden Years, Queen's... We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions. I mean, the soundtrack is basically the 70s and 80s greatest hits of rock. It's yeah. so good.
0: No, and all the songs were really well placed. And you're like, okay, I could see this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, your dad like laughed with each subsequent song that played because it was just like... No, I think he really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, so yeah, Night's Tale, definitely another highlight, also on Netflix, so definitely check that one out. This next one, I think, was on Hulu because we had to watch... Uh, commercials, uh, commercials. Yeah. and this is another rachel mcadams movie and also starring someone um cillian murphy who is in a, another movie that i watched down the line here but
0: red eye yes what did you think of this one that was intense yeah uh not as relaxing as the first two movies yeah um this is where i think our movie choices kind of took a turn yeah um yeah i i enjoyed it um it's definitely like a psychological thriller. Hmm. Um, it was a good time. Yeah, no, Red Eyes... Very late. intense, though. Yeah, it's pretty It intense. wasn't re- uh, relaxing at all. Uh, Drag Me to Hell was another one we watched. <sighs> 10 out of 10. Oh like, God. 92% just amazing.
1: It had 92% Rotten Tomatoes. And this is one that I had seen before. I remember renting it probably with my mom and my sister um, back in 2008, 9, or 10,
0: whatever it came out. I don't even remember. But oh my gosh, was this terrible. So this was the first movie where it was Rusty and I... We'd stayed up late. I think this was after the last movie we just talked about. Red Eye. Yeah, yeah I think Red had the family eye. went to bed and you and I stayed up. And you were drinking your tree. First of all, gin and tonic. Gin and tonic, which tastes like trees. No, it does. It tastes like glorious gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, glorious gin and tonics. Um, and I think I was still drinking or sipping my Long Island. And we're like, dude, let's just stay up, watch some scary shit. We're like, this one has 92%. Where could we go wrong? And very, very I, I think wrong. we we looked at other movies. One with um, Kate Beckinsale. We're, it was something about Antarctica. Whiteout like,
1: or something like that.
0: Yeah, and we're like, dude, this has to be good. Like Kate Beckinsale, Underworld she's a movies. goddess. Yeah, she is. And um, we're like, dude, okay, so as far as like the standard of scary movies... If it's like a 40 to 60, it's acceptable to watch. It it got like a 7%. (laughs) Oh, you mean Whiteout did? Yeah, Yeah, Whiteout did. Yeah, and then we went to another one and it was like 11%. So we're like, okay, we'll we'll go to the 92%. And I don't. You weren't scared at all. Like, this was just a funny, scary movie. It was
1: hilarious because the special effects were terrible, except they clearly were not trying to be funny like it wasn't like a scary movie uh making fun of itself it it was taking itself so seriously and the
0: special effects were laughably awful i don't know if it's testament to like that was a 2009 movie have we progressed that much in 11 years when it comes to special effects
1: i think so but i think it's also again going back to the progression of what horror film has become yeah is that In this movie, you needed to have special effects because literally people were getting dragged into hell, almost reminiscent of like The Mummy Returns when there's all those nasty little bodies trying to pull Brendan Fraser into the hell with the Scorpion King type of thing. Whereas something like Get Out or Us or It Follows doesn't really require a ton of special effects.
0: No. I, I mean, how much do we want to go into the premise... I don't really want to go into it much at all. I just want to say, like, if you want to watch a ridiculous horror movie... It it was... Like, you could definitely see it trying to be gory. Like, movies along that time period had a lot of, like, let's spray liquids into someone's mouth. Mm -hmm. So, there was a lot of, like... uh, Basically, the main character is, like, a a banker, and she's trying to go for another banking, like, assistant manager or whatever, and she this is just in the trailer, betrays this grandma by saying, hey, we can't refinance your house or yeah. like you're late on your mortgage. And this, she starts freaking out. And then it kind of spirals from there. But like, I think the grandma like gnaws on her jaw and like barfs into her mouth. Something crazy. And then like blood goes into her mouth. And like, is there's a lot of movies of that time period where it's just like excessively splattering people with gore. Yeah. And, like shadows in the windows and you're like what the hell is going on we were just cracking up the entire time of like how serious it took itself
1: yeah it was pretty bad um yeah i, I didn't think it was very impressive at all i mean, it was just funny i mean it was honestly just a funny movie so
0: does it deserve the 92
1: gosh maybe what would, like a 9.2 percent on okay, rotten tomatoes yeah. it was bad uh, as far
0: as a scary movie i think it was bad but as far as like uh Just a good time to crack up. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah,
1: I mean, especially if you have, like, alcohol probably helped, like, just kind of, like, lightening the mood a bit, where it was just, like... Otherwise, we probably would have turned it off and been like, okay, let's watch something a little bit more. It was a
0: really long movie, though. Like, even at the the climax, kind of, before it starts tapering off to the end, we're like, dude, we need to fast-forward this, because it's like, all of a sudden, a goat showed up, and we're like, where the hell did this goat come from? And we're just... It's like two and a half hours. Yeah, it was yeah. like a Lord of the Rings, except for like poor quality. Yeah, it horror. was it was bad.
1: Um, so before we get into like the ridiculously bad movies that we ended up
0: watching, that were amazing, we
1: did watch another interesting film that I can't believe I've gone this long not having watched it. And uh, Nintai, friend of the show on the Discord, <laughs> Dragon Man, he suggested we watch this movie because. Supposedly, it's one of his favorite films of all time, and that's Drive, starring yes. Ryan Reynolds.
0: Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Gosling? Gosling. Please forgive me. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, they're all beautiful men. I had <laughs> Ryan Reynolds on the mind, okay? can you? Don't we all? I mean, for the amount of dimes we lusted about him while painting yesterday.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah, Drive was interesting. I don't really know how to describe it other than Ryan Gosling's character works in this mechanics shop, Brian Cranston, of Breaking Bad fame is kind of his boss. He brought Ryan Gosling in a number of years ago, uh, but ultimately Ryan Gosling's character drives, as the name of the movie would imply. He does things that are illegal, so he helps people get away from burglary type stuff, and he gets them to a safe location because he's just a ridiculously good driver. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually he has a neighbor in his apartment complex, uh, this one, this woman and her, her son, and he learns that the father of this son, who he really gets close with, and he gets close with the woman as well, uh, is in prison for whatever he's getting involved with. And,
0: and then, I mean, we could leave it there as far as the description. Yeah, I don't want
1: to get any further than that. But he, he gets wrapped up into some bad stuff. But overall, I thought it was really good. I mean, particularly for me, as no one should be surprised, the soundtrack was was really impressive. It yep. had like this 80s synth Noir
0: cyberpunk feel to it that was just really, really good and kind of set the mood well. Yeah, it did. Um, it was not what I was expecting because um, we watched this with the parents mm-hmm. and then Lauren and yourself and I, and it got surprisingly gruesome for what I was expecting. I was expecting maybe a getaway, some action, but like it, it teetered on like the gore side, mm-hmm. especially like the elevator and like everything that kind of progresses from there you're like holy shit like i <laughs> i remember mom be like whoa yeah <laughs> kind of thing um sorry audio levels yeah for that one um yeah I, I don't know if it's a family movie per se um but it was it was a good time i enjoyed it yeah for sure well ryan we watched two other movies yeah <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we tried to watch two other movies. We tried movies. to replicate like the first night of horror movies by finding another one. And like what we were trying to f- watch was 28 Weeks Later. Days. Day- was it day I thought we were going for Weeks. Weeks is the sequel. Yeah. Okay. We were trying to watch 28-something later. And the first night, it was... I think it was time-sensitive to like 11.15. Because
1: it's like a live thing through Hulu, so you can watch live TV, but obviously you have to watch it at that particular time.
0: Yeah, so we were watching Drag Me to Hell. And
1: it was like five hours long.
0: Yes, and we are like, okay, when we're done with this, let's watch this movie. And by the time we got done with Drag Me to Hell, it was just such a good and exhilarating experience absolutely that it put us to sleep (laughs) So, (laughs) so we ended up going to bed after that and not watching it and we i just figured that like it unlocks for a certain period of time like a couple days and then it goes away but that's not how it worked at all no so it turns out that we had to wait another six plus days to have the opportunity to watch it that night yeah which sucks um, so we reverted back to let's find other quality movies, and we did not find any. no, and we quickly realized that there was nothing good on Netflix. um you had seen pretty much everything on everywhere else, yeah, so we're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, um, we ended up it was like, let's just watch a funny one, like drag me to hell was. Hilarious. Let's just go for bad, but not trying to be bad.
1: Like, something that's intentionally put on, like, the sci-fi channel at, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon during October that we know is going to be horribly acted. Probably a budget of, like, $300.
0: But they they take themselves seriously. Yeah. Like, it's not like Sharknado where you know it's a parody. Yeah. Or, like, what was it? Six-headed sharks? Yeah. Or whatever it is. So, we're like, okay, there, there's definitely a fine line. So, we we scrolled past amazing titles such as like santa shark and we ended up um, landing on two titles that we watched
1: the first of which being
0: Reap town <laughs> and i'm yeah. trying to So this movie came out in 2020 <clears throat> and i'm pulling up so what we were expecting with 2020 we were expecting 2020 quality directing acting and Reaptown town it was like nebraska I think. Um, Reap Town's actually a real place in Nebraska. So, fun fact it's just spelled differently. So, they spelled Reap Town for the movie R E A P Town. And I think the real town is R E I P E Town. So, Reap Town,
1: in this supernatural horror film, Carrie Baldwin is freed from prison under the conditions of a work release program in Reap Town, Nevada. Sorry, oh, you were Nevada. wrong about
0: Nebraska. Uh, one of those random N states. <laughs> Nebraska's
1: where our boy, uh, Apoc, Nolan, lives. from the show. As she struggles to find her missing sister while working the night shift as a security guard for the Reap Town Railway Museum, Carrie soon finds herself in the presence of evil. <laughs> Could the railway hold the clues to her sister's mysterious disappearance? Find out. When you don't turn into Reap Town on whatever social media uh, streaming platform you find it on, it's an hour and 17 minutes. The director is Dutch Merich, starring Brooke Bradshaw, Danny Colleen, and the unforgettable Chrissy Carpenter. I, I think it's like an
0: all female cast, except for like one dude, which I guess it's not all female, but I think it's mostly female except for a dude. Yeah, sounds about right. It was awful. It, like,. I I don't know how to describe this movie. Um, It looks like they were using technology from 2020. Like It was really crisp. Yeah. But it looks like a high school project. It really does. Like
1: It felt like transitions. It seemed like this is someone's junior year project after they read some book in their English lit class where it was like, hey, now I need you to go off and put yourself in the shoes of Shakespeare and write your own little... Short story, and then film it with your friends, and then you get Reap Town.
0: <laughs> yes, the end product being Reap Town. So Reap Town it starts out was it Reap Town the one that like shook the text. So like yeah, furthering the the point of being a, a high it, school it, production. It was horrible. So it starts out like zero transition. It's just some girl in like zero introduction in the middle of a train yard. And she just hears, I think, a baby crying. And she goes into this, like, train station and, like, is inspecting the trains. And it's, like, a 10-minute sequence. Of her just walking past trains, walking past buildings,
1: walking through this barren town with no one around. And it's, like,
0: where are we going with this? And then all of a sudden, plot happens. Blue man group comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, a blue zombie that, like it wasn't, we didn't even see what happened. It was just a second he was there, he screamed out of the darkness, and then it was like, weep town, across a like, black transition, and then it just shook the letters of weep town, and then it cut to like the next scene. And yeah. we're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was like, what? Yeah, so we have pretty much turned
1: that off after maybe watching it for another five to ten minutes. It,
0: it was exciting. Very. Like, it went to the sister, and the sister was just, Acted so great. Yeah. And it it was like dialogue that was like, yes, I would love to go to the train yard. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was just highly recommended. I would definitely recommend it. Probably movie of the
1: year. But the next movie is probably movie of the millennium. (laughs) Planet Raptor. (laughs) It's the year 2066. The raptors are not extinct. And they proliferated in the quarters, the quatrus corners of the galaxy, leaving a very little place for humans. The only hope for the human race is a group of soldiers. Director Gary Jones, writer Steve Ladshaw, stars Stephen Bauer, Vanessa Angel, <laughs> Ted Ramey,
0: and a few others. So this movie... This uh, is basically the plot. It, it starts out like a new hope a very poorly CGI New Hope. So you have, or Spaceballs, really. So you have like a spaceship that slowly flies over with like a planet in the background. And then it does another shot of the ship. And then all of a sudden they reuse the first footage from like the flyby. Yeah. And we're like, we, you literally have like 30 seconds of footage and you've already used stuff, reused stuff. I mean it must have been a really small budget. Yeah, it was bad. And then we get to this planet, and I think it was like two people, like some mechanics or some science nerds. (laughs) Some science nerds. (laughs) I think that's what they described them as. And like they're obviously disposable cast members. And they're going through like this medieval like kind of town. And you see like shots of these raptors, but it looks like a magic mountain ride. (laughs) Like level of Animation, Yeah. And then one of them dies. I can't even remember how the first dude dies. I mean, he obviously gets raptured to death. Yeah. If that's a verb. And yeah, they're like, oh shit. Nerd guy died from a raptor lizard thing. And like the first scientist, the scientist with him didn't know what a raptor was. He just, yeah. And then so you got an entire squad obviously acting the fuck out of this because this is their big break (laughs) raptor planet oh i mean like drag me to hell i think was the main character girls like the that actress's final thing she's ever acted in
1: it was also the first
0: yes she had a very short career (laughs) and so like this one i think most of the cast besides pappy oh paps he like everyone was like in their 40s like i don't know if this was like a mid like career crisis or something but like i don't see you getting pretty far after planet raptor
1: no it was terrible i mean honestly i would just encourage people to go out on youtube and just search planet raptor footage or planet raptor even just
0: watch the trailer do yourself a favor I don't know if they had enough money to make a trailer, but, but, but like, some of the shotgun blasts, like, there was, like, a
1: five-second delay. I felt like I was, like, playing Doom uh, from 1990-whatever. Yeah. And I don't mean that as, like, a knock on Doom. I mean, like, this was just horrible movie. But
0: they, they obviously had a budget for some of the sets. Like, they had an entire dungeon in Practical. Yeah,
1: it did kind of look like Hyrule Temple or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably that sci-fi channel money, but... Yeah. ...that everyone's rolling in.
1: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't really encourage
0: anyone to watch Planet
1: Raptor, but I did end up going on to watch 28 Days Later. Yes, you did. So I rented that, and uh, another one that I'm really surprised that I never watched to this point, I actually do distinctly remember um, renting it from Hollywood Video with my mom, her boyfriend at the time, and my sister... And I remember going back home, us turning it on, and just not really getting it. We watch like maybe the first fifteen to twenty minutes, and it's it's a slow moving film. So if you've seen the Train to Busan, right, that's just in your face, crazy zombie action right out the get go, and you never stop until the credits roll. Yeah, it's just an adrenaline pumping zombie flick that just never lets you breathe. Well, this movie is far more like a character study of, like, what, is, what does humanity do in the face of a zombie apocalypse? And so, in the beginning of the film, it kind of starts where these scientists are experimenting with these chimpanzees. And they must inject them with some type of virus of sorts. Mm-hmm. And they start just acting like crazy monkeys. And one of them gets out, bites one of the scientists... And then the virus spreads from there. And okay. it is one of those things where once you're bit, it's not like The Walking Dead where you can last hours before you actually turn. It's pretty instant. Not trying to boost on where you're bit and then you're up and running like a madman. Yeah. But it is relatively quick.
0: And do you Do you like, not to pivot, do you like the movies where they transition quickly to zombies or do you like it where it's a slower burn? Like you... I think The Walking Dead is like a more, I have a death scene kind of cinematic. I like the variety and I think each has its place. Okay.
1: I think something like The Walking Dead that's meant to be a drama, you're meant to get invested in these characters' lives, you're meant to really care and it's it's meant to be an emotional transition between, oh shit, Carl's been bitten and there's this character send-off moment as opposed to The Train to Busan where like, I don't remember any of the characters' names in that movie. And I don't think you're really meant to necessarily because it's meant to be pop the popcorn, sit down and watch this crazy zombie apocalypse unfold within the hour and a half that it takes to finish that film. So I think there's definitely a place for each. Okay. But 28 Days Later, again, far more of a character study and it actually opens up, and I won't go too into the plot because I don't want to spoil it for someone like you.
0: Yeah, I want to see it. That probably
1: wants to watch it. And for anyone else that hasn't seen it to this point. But it kind of starts out the same way that The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead starts out where Rick wakes up in the hospital and the hospital is empty. He has no idea what's going on. So this is actually set in Great Britain. I believe he wakes up in some hospital in England, very gaunt, very malnourished, and basically unplugs himself from the IV, walks around the hospital, has no idea what's going on, and it's just walking around England not really understanding what's happened because he has no... Yeah. No recollection of why he's there, to my understanding, um, or what's happened to humanity. Well, eventually he comes into contact with a group of a few people, and the rest of the movie kind of plays out from there. But it's really interesting. Like the soundtrack is phenomenal, especially like when the characters are going from like one area to the next. It almost plays like this opera-like music. Oh. But oh my word! The final like twenty minutes is kind of just this slow buildup of music as the scenes get more and more intense and it's kind of one of those things like what lengths are you willing to go to save the people you love type of thing. Okay. And uh, very satisfying ending, a uh, very satisfying conclusion. Uh, the cast of characters while small, um, really great performances. As I mentioned earlier, the main protagonist is Cillian Murphy. So he was in red eye also scarecrow from Batman begins.
0: Yeah, he's in a lot of things now.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really good. Uh, And Brian Eno actually composed some of the music. Uh, Famed music producer, obviously produced Coldplay's fourth and fifth studio albums, Viva La Vida, Milo's Iloto. Ryan, I know you know that. This is for the listeners. Yeah,
0: I think he also did Lady Gaga. Yeah, exactly. This is an educational program,
1: after all. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what you think of it when you get a chance to watch it. Do you know
0: if it... It's a continuation for 28 Weeks Later from 28 Days.
1: Completely different cast. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it's not a continuation of this story, even though
1: it could have been.
0: Do you know which one's got better reviews or which one's highly or more highly rated?
1: I think 28 Days Later, again, it's it's more the human side of things where 28 Weeks, I think, is more of just like a full-blown full blown z- uh, zombie type
0: movie. Okay.
1: So, cool. yeah. No, I would check it out. Um, one final one. I think 28 Days Later out of all of these films was certainly the, the highlight, the best. But another one I actually saw at the Dollar Theater years ago with my dad when it first came out was 30 Days of Night. So mm-hmm. this is stars uh, Josh Hartnett. Some of you might remember him from like the early 2000s. He was in like Pearl Harbor and a number of other films. But uh, this takes place in Alaska, of all places. And I remember when we were in Alaska and they said there's a time period of the year where there is no light. Yeah. It's just constantly night because they get no daylight. Well, that's the case for this film. Um, they kind of go into lockdown. Josh Hartnett is the main chief of police in this small city. And then there kind of is these mysterious disappearings, mysterious killings of people in the town. Uh, a whole herd of dogs gets killed. And basically it is a vampire flick. So oh, cool. there's kind of this group of vampires that scavenges and goes from town to town uh, during this period of 30 Days of Night, as the name would imply, and they kind of just kill everyone um, and leave no survivors or trace that people have been there um, because they try to burn the city after they've done their damage type of thing. Really, really good. I mean, it's just one of my favorite vampire movies, and I've seen a lot of vampire movies in my time. Um, And this one is on Amazon Prime, so you don't have to pay an additional fee. It's just part of the Prime membership right now. So definitely... Check out 30 Days of Night if you've never seen that. I think you would like that as well. Because it's yeah. not... With vampire movies, this can get into the the dilemma of zombie movies. Where it's just too gory and over the top.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, one of my favorite vampire movies. I mean, after Twilight, obviously. Oh, of course. Is Van Helsing. And oh, yeah. for that one, it's not super gory. It, it kind of humanizes vampires a little bit. But not... To the extent that, like, Twilight does. Like, let's yeah. go to high school. Um, which, which, great. They're so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that kind of... I mean, the animation still holds up today for that. But 30 Days a Night would be a good one. I I need to, uh, not mooch, but borrow consistently your Amazon. Because Nintai just posted about the boys. And that's one of the shows I want to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so...
1: Van Helsing's great, too. I actually, I watched that in the, do- oh, not the Dollar Theater. I watched it um, at a drive-in movie theater.
0: Oh. Yeah. Are those still even around?
1: Yeah. I um, I can't remember what the double feature was because they always play two films and Van Helsing being the more, typically they play the more adult film. Like later. The later one. I don't know if it was maybe Shrek 2.
0: It's a big transition between Shrek 2 and Van Helsing.
1: I can't remember because I saw Shrek 2 in the drive-in theater as well. Um, I do remember drive-in theaters. I just don't remember what I saw.
0: I used to go to the drive-in, theater, drive-in movies all the time. I mean, I saw... I think there's one near the old high school on the road that we took to Michigan. Mm, there is. Yeah, that's the one. Is that the one you went to? I don't remember. Um, because
1: I, when I was a kid like that, I didn't really pay attention to where remember we were going. Remember roads? It was all about the destination. Okay.
0: So. The final destination. Well, that's right, because you're busy playing your Game Boy, man. Those Pokemons are not going to catch themselves. That's true. And that's actually what I played on the way to Michigan or <laughs> the nice. way back, so... Good yeah, stuff. we also watch a little. I mean, this isn't a movie, but a little Gilmore Girls.
1: Oh yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm on episode two, so <laughs> no, I, it, it's definitely a big transition from what I'm used to watching. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably slowly digest that to be cultured. Nice, because you guys talk so highly about it. So
1: I think you'd like it. It's it's the humor is really good.
0: It, it's weird seeing young Padalaki mm-hmm. in there as dean instead of sam yeah his name so. is dean
1: and gilmore girls but sam and uh supernatural yeah kind of weird so
0: he's adorable he is so well,
1: i'm glad you're liking it i think if you stick with it it'll be kind of like the office where you can kind of watch in the background while you're doing house stuff or whatever
0: yeah that's probably what i'll do
1: well I'm, i hope people enjoyed all of the uh the movies that we've watched recently and hopefully you got some good recommendations for horror films and gilmore girls and all that good stuff yeah but ryan we actually have a number of of news stories to talk through today, many of which are PlayStation focused because they just continue to be dropping uh tons of news that we really didn't anticipate, I would we say. We didn't even ask for. <laughs> yeah, it, it just kinda happened. So um the first of which here is earlier this week, I think it was well, this article here, in Gadget, was released on October seventh. So we're just gonna say that that was when this took place on Wednesday. That sounds about right. I thought it was a little earlier in the week, but remains to be seen. A video was released saying PS5 teardown. Um, that's kind of the YouTube. I think that's the exact link. title. That's basically how it was. And so there was these this Japanese man who I believe was like one of the lead designers behind the He's PlayStation 5. He's
0: like a 5. VP of something.
1: So he basically deconstructed, deconstructed the entire PlayStation 5 talking through each of its components, its purpose, and all of that good stuff. So I'll read part of this article here and we'll get a better idea of... Uh, The PS5 and all of its innards, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Again, this article is from Engadget. The title subject header here is PS5 Teardown Reveals Huge Cooling System and SSD Expansion Bay. It won't be hard to upgrade the storage. And I think that's sarcastic because it actually will be very difficult to upgrade the SSD stuff here. You don't have to wait for a repair shop to see the PlayStation 5's innards. Sony has conducted an official and strangely relaxing teardown of the PS5 that provides more than a few insights into its imminent game console. For one, it has an elaborate cooling system. There's a large 122 or 120mm 120 fan that draws in air from both sides, and a heatsink whose shape and airflow reportedly deliver the kind of cooling you'd expect from a vapor change chamber, like that is used in the Xbox Series X. It even uses liquid metal as the thermal inter- interface material on the AMD made 8 core CPU to ensure long-term cooling performance. Ryan, did you get all that? What? are we talking stuff <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Zona.
1: laughs> uh, It's also apparent that you won't have much trouble adding another SSD. Both of the curvy white panels come off easily, exposing mm. a conspicuous SSD bay SSD bay, where you can install a PCIe 4.0-based M.2 drive. You get all that, people? Take notes here. Just don't expect to replace the 825 gigabyte of default... Gigabates. <laughs> <laughs> Nude Sony. Hey, if you want to start reading these news articles, you can. No, oh, no, I can't. I'm no. dyslexic. Okay. Uh, ...of default storage that's built into the PS5's motherboard. You can also remove the panels to clear out dust from two dedicated catchers. The PS5 teardown also gives you a good look at the CPU itself. It's 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory and the custom (laughs) SSD controller. There's a bunch of other jargon in here. I think the three highlights for me, uh, the first of which probably is the detachable plates. Because Mm -hmm. I think part of any console generation, no matter what it is, even looking back on the Xbox 360, while I never got it, I always... Had a great love and appreciation for the R2D2 Xbox 360 console, mm-hmm. where when you turned it on, it literally played the little R2D2 2 beep boop yeah. sound effect. That's cool. And then in the PS4 generation, I loved and I'm very jealous of our friend of the show, Frantic Josh. He has the Spider-Man special edition PS4 console. Uh, but I think this is maybe intentionally or unintentionally Sony's way of saying, you can customize this console to look however you want. And I'm sure as soon as this system hits the market, Etsy is going to just blow up with for sure. with all kinds of customizable plates. I'm
0: curious how you buy additional plates because yeah, I think the market for it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to customize each side with say w- really with Spider-Man on one side, Demon Souls on another, mm-hmm. or whatever I mean, you can customize it however you want and that's awesome.
1: I'm, what you were kind of saying earlier in the week, too, is I wonder if with some of these first party titles like Demon's Souls, if they're going to sell a game like that instead of yeah, for like 70 for 90 as a deluxe thing and you get a custom plate set.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a great way of doing it. You don't have to sell an entire console to do it. I could see them doing like bundles with like Spider-Man, but also like, hey, if you already have the console, buy the plates for... Uh, I mean, it seems like most of the pre-ordering stuff has deluxe versions or supreme versions for like $300. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could definitely see them taking the route of buy the plates with the game, customize how you want.
1: And what I could also see them doing too, instead of like, not necessarily a special edition console, but like even when God of War Ragnarok comes out, to your point, bundle the system with those custom plates, but then they'll also be sold separately.
0: Yeah. You know? I think there's a lot of money to be had um for like aftermarket stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I don't really see a downside of selling a ton of those or like I mean, I know Microsoft bought GameStop or whatever the hell's going on there, but like having those in like a gamestop as like part of your wall mm-hmm. is just a rack of plates. They're pretty sweet. yeah, I mean, it's better than the plushies, and I could see that helping at least their sales. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I'm excited for the plates for sure.
1: No, I think that's really neat. Um, I think the next notable highlight, potentially, at least in my opinion, is this heat sink, whose, according to this article, shape and airflow reportedly deliver the kind of cooling you'd expect from a vapor chamber. And this excites me because. One of the biggest takeaways from not only this, but when the PS5 was initially revealed and all of the memes going around was how ridiculously large this system is. Yeah. And we were just moving some of my, uh, my stuff from the apartment to the, the house this weekend. Thank you for helping me with that, by the way. Yeah, of course. And one of the systems that I was moving was my PS3 fat.
0: It was a big system. Which is
1: a big boy. That thing weighs a ton. It's fat. It's long. And I think the PS5 similarly will have that type of design maybe not as fat but certainly as as tall and probably taller but what i love about this teardown is that that size has purpose
0: yeah that that was my main thing is the complaints on this thing basically being a tower Mm -hmm. um and to see internally and understand like yeah it has purpose on why they made it this big if they could have shrunk it they probably would have it's it's definitely reassuring that they had some logic behind this monster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I seeing the guts of a system is also really cool. I don't know how size wise it compares really the, to neat. the heatsink in like the PS4. Yeah. Obviously, it's bigger mm-hmm. because of the size of the system. But yeah, well, and they literally cool.
1: opened it. Opened the um the little showcase. The guy saying like, listen. The reason we have this larger system is because we want the performance and the speed and the cooling and the quietness of the machine to be better than it's ever been on any prior PlayStation system, yeah. which I really appreciate, one, the transparency with that, that like, yeah, we know this is going to be a mammoth machine sitting in your living room. Yeah. Um, but there's purpose in it. And the third and maybe final thing that I think is a major highlight is uh, the liquid metal as the thermal interface material on the... This is gibberish. AMD made eight core CPU to ensure uh, the, the piece we care about, quote, long-term cooling performance. And I think the biggest thing taking away from this little showcase, and even to this point, what Microsoft has shown with the Series X, you know, people were, there's lots of rumors going around that the Series X is like a space heater, warms your whole room, you touch it and your hand hurts, which a lot of people have debunked. Other people have been quiet on saying, and similar with the PS5 I don't know if there's a whole lot of play testing out there or uh, personal anecdotes of people playing. I mean, I mean, I'm sure in the coming weeks we'll get those from the IGNs of the world. But really, the one the proof is in the pudding, and then two, it's going to be you know to this article's point, long-term cooling performance when we're running something like Last of Us Part Three, Red or Dead Redemption, Halo III.
0: Infinite, or whatever comes after that, where it should be taxing the machine or like Cyberpunk. 77
1: because right now if people are running rare replay or grand theft auto 4 in their series x i sure hope that's not causing the the machine to be super hot because then can you imagine what it would be like if you were running halo infinite and then vice versa on the ps5 we'll get to the backwards compatibility stuff but if you're running something like final fantasy 15 versus final fantasy 16 there's probably going to be a difference in uh and to your point taxing on the machine and what it's going to require to run
0: Like I could see maybe if you mod up Skyrim with a, I mean, I think you're limited on what you can do, but I know we crashed a computer modding Skyrim Mm -hmm. because we threw too many assets at it. Um, I could see that being some level of trying to increase the strain on the system. But yeah, I think only time will tell once the masses have it and we can actually see a bigger, bigger sample size yeah, for sure.
1: No, really interesting stuff there. Um, plus, just such an elegant little video too. Just twelve minutes of this really respectable, small Japanese dude just un dismembering a yeah. PS5 console. What a cool
0: thing! Yeah, it's so we don't have to. I like like him pulling off the warranty sticker. I'm like, uh. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to return that to your own company. <laughs> well, they even prefaced
1: the video by saying, do not do this at home, yeah. you know, because, like, I certainly don't want to have to take something like that to Best Buy and say, hey, can you reassemble this console for me? Because they probably wouldn't even know how to do it. That's yeah. something you'd have to send back to Sony. But uh, really interesting stuff. Ryan, are you ready to go to the next article here?
0: Oh, I just want to say, like, I really like them randomly dropping this with no kind of... We don't need any media presence for it, or like a huge big announcement. It's just like, hey, casually, it's out here. Mm-hmm. I'd like if Microsoft did that because I'm now curious on how their system system internally looks. Yeah, because it looks like from the Lisa schematics out there, like the fan, how it like rotates up. Um, it would be cool just to see it taken apart, we'll see really the neat. components. Yeah, just and, and just to compare the two, like the more Japanese approach compared to the. A U.S. approach. The Western approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, I'd I'd be definitely down to see uh, Phil Spencer disassemble a Series X.
0: Yeah, I like the the ability to turn the console on its side. Whether that's going to save space, it being such a chunky system, Mm -hmm. uh, probably not, but it's just a cool something that they thought about.
1: Yeah. No, I like it, man. It's good stuff. Uh, This next article comes from our friends over at GameSpot. We're not really friends with them. I don't really know anyone there. However, this article is titled PlayStation Trophies Getting Overhauled Ahead of the PlayStation 5 Release. An update to the trophy system raises the level cap and aims to make your trophy progression more rewarding. Another thing that it just felt like, wow, where's this news coming from? They were just dropping so much last week, but I digress. Let's dig into the article. Sony is introducing a few changes to its trophy system just ahead of the PS5 launch. These changes will be reflected in your current trophies, which will carry into the next generation. According to the post on the PlayStation blog, the trophy level is getting a big boost. Currently, trophy... F- trophy um, They forgot an, uh, a V and the word levels here. But it says, current trophy levels range from 1 to 100, but following the update, it will be 1 to 999. The greater range means that once the update goes live, your current level will be automatically converted to an equivalent place in the new level rating. For example, Sony says if your current level is 12, it will be converted to the low 200s. This also comes with a reworked trophy calculation structure that is aimed at being more rewarding, letting you progress through stages more quickly at the start and consistently throughout. The trophy level icons are also getting a revamp that would be reflected on PS5 at launch and on the PlayStation app with a later update. Sony notes that this won't impact previously earned trophies, and no trophy requirements are being changed with this update. The update will be available midweek throughout North America and Europe, and as Ryan and I will get into, it has taken effect for our accounts as well. Meanwhile, another trophy feature appears to have leaked early. The French PlayStation blog mentioned trophy tracking, for example, letting you see how many artifacts you've gathered out of a total number. That feature was said to be for PlayStation 5, but that language was removed from the post. So it kind of remains to be seen whether or not, like, when I'm playing Uncharted 4 and it's, like, kill 35 guys with an AK-47, it would actually, with each subsequent kill, track that on some some part of the UI of the screen to say...
0: Like, 10 to go, 9 to go.
1: Exactly, which I love because it is such a pain in the ass to, one, just grind and wait until you unlock the trophy. Yeah. But then also continuing to go back into your trophies and say, like, I want to, looking at the list and seeing what am I tracking towards next. Yeah, like a
0: progression bar on the trophies.
1: Yeah, so I'm not going to, I'm not sure if it's going to be one of those things where you do have to go back to the main menu and select, almost like you're tracking towards a side quest in Skyrim Mm. and select this trophy. And then when you get it, you have to go back to the screen and select it. Because I think Xbox already has this feature. So you can track towards achievements in a similar manner. Um, so I think this is interesting news. I like the idea, especially for people that care about trophies that, you know, for me, um, if this were to be, have taken effect, I would be, or if the, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, Ryan? Uh, the scaling would have taken effect. I would be 35, but now I'm level 335 with this new scaling approach. Uh, so when it's gone from instead of one to 100, mm-hmm. now it's one to 999. Um, I think that's neat. I think probably my biggest gripe with this is the the way the trophies look
0: really I, I haven't seen the new I think I briefly saw it, but yeah you'll have
1: to take a look at it. Each tier so bronze silver
0: gold has a different
1: has three different tiers to each of those okay so the bronze trophy looks kind of like it does now, except it has an actual bronze colored circle surrounding it instead of just like the bronze trophy with no background effect. Um, And then they kind of build upon that design with each of the other two tiers. Okay. Which, that I don't have a problem with. I actually think those look pretty neat. It's the platinum trophy that I'm not over the moon about. Okay. It just kind of looks like it's a blue circle with the four different colored um, buttons on the PlayStation controller. So, Ryan's over here looking at my computer. Okay. As opposed to the actual just platinum-looking
0: trophy. No, I... Let me get back to my mic i definitely like the old style of yeah. it almost looked like a trophy that was grabbing a ball yeah and yeah I, I like that opposed to just a playstation logo for a platinum
1: i mean it's one of those things you kind of just have to get used to um yeah i, I don't think this is going to drastically change the way i play the games i think i'm done with
0: sony yeah <laughs> so.
1: um my, the thing that excites me most about any of this is just the trophy tracking feature
0: yeah i think so too i'm, I'm curious if on the trophies when you actually go into like a game they'll change i don't know how they're going to change those logos so if there's like different tiers are you going to have bronze tier one or like how they're going to differentiate and make it more user-friendly or how they're going to portray that to us because that just seems really messy like in a system it's like bronze one bronze two silver three i'm cool with very simple like i don't want to have to like calculate like am I going to get a bronze tier two times X divided by Elon Musk's son's name? (laughs) How close am I?
1: Yeah, that is very strange. My guess is they're not going to say bronze two. It's just based on the level of challenge in the developers' minds that they'll tier those bronze and silvers and golds differently. So visually, we'll see the different colored or different types of trophy unlock. But when we actually look at the trophy listing, it's not necessarily going to be depicted other than the color itself of the trophy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Or the design, I should say. I mean, if that's our biggest gripe with the system, I think we'll get used to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what the highest... I'm sure someone's already maxed. Like, someone's already 999. I don't
1: think they are. So I was actually looking and... Now I don't want to speak out of place because I don't know, but there's someone that has like over two thousand platinum's, who's number one in the world. Holy shit! His uh, his or hers, I don't know. Um, their uh, PSN 2, name thousand. Yeah, can you imagine their their name is like Hakum or like Hakum, like H-A-K-O-O-M, uh, M or something like that. Okay, like Blinkum. Yeah, kind kind of like that. What if it's actually Blink? fuck, maybe he's a dragon too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I actually went, because the interesting thing is if you go to uh, psnprofiles.com, you can actually search one for your very own PlayStation account and they have a really interesting way to track your trophies. So, They actually have milestones, so it keeps track of, like, your first trophy ever gotten or achieved, your 500th trophy, your 1,000th, your most recent platinum, uh, the rarest trophies that you've achieved, things like that. It's kind of neat how they do that. That's actually pretty cool. I even thought, like, it might be neat for you and I to open up our profiles during an episode sometime and just kind of reminiscing and talking, like, the first PSN trophy you ever got type of thing. I have no idea what that is. I've looked for me, so I know what it is, but like I don't want to spoil it. I think it would just be fun for you and I to kind of talk through that uh, and just kind of as a chance to reminisce, you know? Yeah, for
0: sure. Um, I, I, I have some ideas of what my rarest would be, but... Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a good fun time.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to... Th- uh, think about we that. We can
0: rant more about how shitty Platinum's look.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I went to that guy's um, list. Yeah, what
0: was his level? Or what was... I
1: don't remember what his level was, but um, I wrote down... Because it also tracks how long it takes for each person to have achieved the Platinum in that game. Oh, okay. And so for anything that was 30 minutes or less for him, I may or may not have written written down 20 games for future Platinum oh, ideas God, for me. Fuck. Yeah.
0: It's another like three times, like $3 times 20. Yeah,
1: yeah 60 bucks, I guess. Foxyland, 46! Yeah, man. I'm here for <laughs> Sorry, it.
0: Sorry, audio levels again. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's okay. Well, at least you're more aware of it now.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm doing nothing about
1: it. <laughs> I know. Or I've tried. Uh, This other news dropped this week that, it honestly really surprised me, Um, because, excuse me, Um, to this point, this was kind of the biggest box that I, I didn't think that they were checking that I, I wanted PlayStation to check. Okay. I had I kind of lost hope for them doing any sense of backwards compatibility with PS1, two and three. I knew that wasn't gonna happen. But with the four, what, why I really wanted the backwards compatibility feature, one is obviously convenience. Mm-hmm. But then two, I really want Lauren to be able to experience everything the PlayStation 4 has to offer without me, saying hey i want to play final fantasy 12 on the playstation 4 i need to borrow the playstation 4 unhooking it from our downstairs tv bringing it up to the game room and just that would just be such a pain in the ass yeah so i think it was like thursday or friday nintai dropped the discord the list of backwards compa- or the list of games that are not backwards compatible is really slim and i'm like what and it turns out it's a list of like 10 games like 10, yeah. most people have never even heard of um, the rest of the games are backwards compatible. So I have a large article here that I want to go down, Ryan. By um, feel free to interrupt me at any point because oh, there, there's a lot to unpack here. But this is directly from the PlayStation blog, titled "Details on Backwards Compatibility: How Game Boost Enhances Select PS- PS4 Games and More." From uh, Hideki Nishino, Senior Vice President, Platform Planning and Management. Mm. When the PlayStation 5 launches this November, more than 99% of the 4,000 plus games available on PS4 will be playable on PS5. We know you have questions about how PS4 games will work on PS5, so here's a quick overview on some some common questions we've seen from the PlayStation community. The first of which, what console generation games are supported with PS5's backwards compatibility feature? I know this is old news to many, but I think it's important to go down this list because there's a yeah. lot of really important information that maybe you kind of glossed over when you know browsing through Twitter and seeing the highlights. It says, We're focused on a huge catalog of games on the PS4, and we're pleased that more than 99% of PS4 games will be playable on PS5 on day one. This includes games that have defined the PS4 generation from cl- critically acclaimed PlayStation exclusives like The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima, To blockbuster hits from our third partners third party partners what is the difference between ps4 games um, on the ps5 digital edition console versus the ps5 console with the ultra hd blu-ray disc drive they go on to say the gaming experience on both models will be the same however how you access the content uh, to play will be different the ps5 digital edition this is how it's going to work you'll be able to play digital versions of your compatible ps4 games on the PS5 Digital Edition console. These will be compatible PS4 digital games you have already purchased or plan to purchase via the PlayStation Store uh, on PS4, PS5, 5, web, or PlayStation mobile app. Since there's no disk drive, you won't be able to play your PS4 disc-based games on the PS5 Digital Edition.
0: Yeah, that seems obvious. Obviously,
1: Uh, PS5 with the Ultra HD Blu-ray disk drive. You can play digital versions of your compatible PS4 games you downloaded from the PlayStation 4 on the PS4, PS5, web, or
0: PlayStation mobile app. Okay, so same as the digital edition. Previous
1: one. And then you can also use your physical PS4 game disc. People, can I just get a hurrah? Hurrah! Thank you. When you sign into PS5 with your account for PlayStation Network, you will automatically see your library of played PS4 content through the menu. Be sure to keep the PS5 console updated to the latest system software update available and apply all available game patches to the game. So now we figure out, Ryan, what is the PS4 game experience like on PS5? Yeah. PS4 titles get even better on the 5. Select PS4 titles will see increased loading speeds on the PS5 console and will also leverage game boost, offering improved or maybe more stable frame rates. Some titles with unlocked frame rates or dynamic resolution up to 4K may see higher fidelity. Additionally, PS4 games will also take advantage of some of PS5's new UX features, but more to come on that later. Are games from PS4 uh, VR backwards
0: compatible? Are you interested in this? I think for the listener's sake, we need to le- we need to read this. All right, I'm not, but they may be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I have zero. I don't know how much interest I have in VR. I don't think I've seen an experience besides maybe Skyrim, but I heard that was just a nauseous slog through uh, Skyrim. For uh, me,
1: it's more for like the horror stuff. Like, I'd want to play Resident Evil 7. I think Skyrim would be a really neat novelty. Mm-hmm. But then also games like Astro's VR missions or Astrobot's VR missions, but also Astro's Playroom. I think it's Astro's Playroom uh, was on VR. And then um, uh, uh, Beat Saber. The, one oh, yeah, the yeah, the rhythm game with the lightsaber type stuff. I think that stuff would be really neat. Um, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be like PlayStation 6 before I'm like really invested because I think this technology is changing it's so very, rapidly yeah, young. that it's, it, yeah, it really kind of is in its infancy stage. Yeah. I'm in no way diminishing I've, how cool VR probably is.
0: Well, I heard that the new Rogue Squadron game is really good in VR. Ooh, I bet. <coughs> that with like the little joysticks and stuff apparently makes the experience amazing.
1: Nice. So, back to the article. Are games from PSVR backwards compatible? Yes. VR games are included among the thousands of PS4 games that are playable on PS5. But note that playing VR games on a PS5 console requires a PSVR headset, DualShock 4 wireless controller or PlayStation Move controllers, and a PS camera for PS4, which are sold separately from the PS5 console. Also, the PS5 HD camera is not compatible with PSVR on PS5. You'll need to to use the PS camera for the PlayStation Four that you would already purchased, which is really interesting because I feel like they kind of just threw out that new camera for PS Five as an accessory, yeah, without really going into like what type of previous ps tech it would leverage or be able to use i mean
0: we really haven't heard much about the accessories accessories yeah it's been mainly just been the main console and i'm sure eventually probably after the system launches they'll go more in depth on what they're planning for that yeah i think right now they're just trying to hype the system and what it's there for
1: yeah no i agree um this final piece that i'll get to i think is one of the biggest deals because this was also something that was It was twofold for me, the box that I wanted them to check. Backwards compatibility and save transfers. So now we get into save transfers. Awesome. How do PS4 game transfers and game saves work between the two consoles? Here we go. You can transfer digital games, game data, and game saves from a PS4 console to a PS5 console using LAN cables or by connecting wirelessly Wi-Fi. If you've already stored PS4 games and game data in the external USB storage device connected to your PS4 you can bring them over to PS5 with that external USB storage device. And if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you can also sync PS4 game saves on PS5 through cloud storage. That's big. Please note that the ability to transfer game saves between a PS4 version and PS5 version of the same game is a developer decision and will vary title by title by, uh, for cross-generation games, which I think makes sense. A lot to digest, Ryan. Yes. What are your thoughts about all this?
0: I had zero expectations for uh, backwards compatibility. I I went in with the understanding that Microsoft was backwards compatibility system where Sony was taking the approach of clear, hard-cut lines between their generations. Um, And I I think it was like an offhanded comment maybe, fuck, like three, four months ago that there's like some backwards compatibility. Mm Mm-hmm. Even then, I had zero expectations that that was a thing. Maybe it was just leaked or whatever. Um, To hear that I'll be able to play those games is really one of the reasons why I got the hard disk copy. Yep. Um, I also like having that lineup in my uh, bookshelf. But yeah, I've spent a significant amount of money on those games and being able to use them in this new system is awesome. Mm. I'm super thrilled about that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, like you, I, I really had no expectations because I looked at the Series X as, and don't take this the wrong way because I mean this in a really, really... Um, Positive? Yeah, I mean, this um, I want to compliment Microsoft for their backwards compi- compatibility features, but it almost seemed like a college student project, right? Because I look at something like the Retron 5 and it's like, are you kidding me? I can play Game Boy Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, and Genesis games all on one machine with an HDMI cable to my big TV? Yeah. That's nuts. And similarly, it's like, are you kidding me? I can play my Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and Series X games on one machine, and more often than not, they optimize them for the new console? Like, that's nuts. That almost seems like something down the line that some random studio like um the people at retron i don't i guess the people at retron would create yeah so the fact that microsoft has done that is ridiculously awesome um but for sony to to do this is in my opinion crazy because they 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 didn't really do it for playstation 3 and playstation 4 there was no backwards compatibility there um and especially when they talked about we believe back in like april or whatever when mark cerny got on and was talking through the, the science and math of the PlayStation 5 and send me pictures of your ears so we can optimize for the DualSense audio feature. Yeah. I never anticipated that they would have the backwards compatibility. And so I just, I fully expected that I was gonna have to unplug my PS4 and bring it upstairs all the time when Lauren wasn't playing, which I'm just so thankful that that's not the case. But also, I'm so thankful that like all of the, I've bought 200 plus games on the PlayStation Store. Yeah, And I was so fearful that even if my physical discs were playable on the PS5, all of that stuff I bought on PS4 would be locked to that device. But I can sign into my PlayStation account on the PS5 and re-download all of those games right to the PS5.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely a good feature. I mean, I could see the complaint that you're not going to be able to play like PlayStation 1, 2, 3 games, um, which which is understandable. Um, And it's definitely... Not a sore spot, but a weakness in the Sony lineup compared to Microsoft, mm-hmm. who uh, provides that feature. Um, but fuck, we went in <laughs> expecting zero, and we got 4,000 plus games, yeah. plus the ability to transfer save files. So I'm extremely happy.
1: I am too. And then too, like, the backwards compatibility is already more than enough. So right. the fact that a select number of games also are opt optimized for PS5, if you yeah. will. They, I forget the terminology that they used. Um, it, it's neither here nor there. I said it earlier in the show. Uh, but the fact that it is kind of optimized for PS4, I know Ghost of Tsushima will now run at 60 frames as
0: opposed to 30 on the PS4. That's gravy at that point. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's said in that article, but they're going to continue updates for some of those. And there's the potential, I think they mentioned, that it would have like a paid upgrade. Oh, you, So there is potential to have to pay for some of those up-res, but not all of them are like that. You can play all of your PS4 discs that you have on the PS5, except for that list of 10 games that are extremely obscure from my interpretation of it. Yeah, But you can play all of your discs with some like up-res to, or not up-res, but playing at on a ps5 at that level um but if you want like up res some of them charge depending on the studio i think it's all dictated by the studio itself interesting okay so
1: um well a lot of interesting news about playstation um pretty much all of which i'm over the moon excited about and continues to reaffirm um my my purchase of the ps5 you know um obviously i wanted it for those those launch titles but the fact that now All of this stuff is backwards compatible, just instills a lot of hope for me in purchasing this machine and also um, relinquishing control of the PS4 so Lauren can enjoy everything that the PS4 has to offer, which there's a ton of stuff there. So really excited for her to have that as well. But this next article that I have here, Ryan, I feel like this news has really gone under the radar. No one's really talking about it Mm -hmm. because I'm on Twitter pretty much all the time. And I saw some of the big wigs tweet about it, but it didn't seem to garner a whole lot of attention okay and that is um i'm going to open up this article here by business insider that says gamestop partners with microsoft to sell a new xbox bundle upgraded stores and its shares spiked 44 percent
0: yeah no it was a big jump so
1: there's some major highlights here these are like the big bullets and maybe from there we can go into the article
0: itself which i think they actually had to stop trading for a period of time because of the jump in the stock price oh wow like it actually triggered i think it was a 30 percent spike and they had to like cap it there because like large swings stop markets hmm. and then it i guess it went up another like 14 percent.
1: interesting so. um so i'm gonna read the bullet points because the business insider article here excuse me is that uh, really really long so we can try and make sense of these bullet points and then um i guess just kind of share th- our thoughts about it but GameStop shares rose 44% on Thursday after it announced a multi-year partnership with Microsoft. GameStop will begin selling an Xbox all-access bundle stores with an Xbox console and two-year digital subscription at no upfront cost. It will roll out the use of Microsoft Dynamics 365, Teams, and Surface devices in its stores and offices, it said, and I think this also comes off the news that they're now going to close all Microsoft stores around, certainly North America. I'm not sure if that's a global thing or not, but closing all Microsoft stores. And GameStop will also upgrade its e-commerce site as part of the partnership. So there's a whole article here. I don't wanna go into all of it. Um, I think this is purely a business decision from Microsoft's standpoint my concern or worry and granted microsoft is an endless well of cash clearly so if they need to keep gamestop afloat they can my question is why would they do that because i just feel like gamestop is with their product pushing in so much negative so much of a negative spotlight in the gaming community where microsoft has such a positive light and they're beginning this next generation with so much hype and anticipation and joy from the future of xbox yeah Buying this seems like just like a such an obscure, strange
0: business move. Am I alone uh, in that? <laughs> I mean, if the, I, I'm guessing, they're going to have because they're closing their retail stores a section for like those Microsoft products. I would think so. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, and I don't like owning all those stores is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So maybe this takes the liability of those stores closing or the profitability off of Microsoft's hands and puts it in the hands of GameStop because I don't know how much I don't know if they bought GameStop like a portion of the company or they teamed up I don't know how it reads but so say their minority share of that that I don't know how liable they are and say GameStop goes under in specific locations they just take their products and leave
1: yeah, I think if, if GameStop does go under, which I honestly fully anticipated them to be going under within the, until next, this, yeah. within the next year until yeah, Microsoft has kind of thrown them a life vest, uh, it'll be interesting to see how GameStop changes, you know, because going in there now for me is a nightmare. I don't like going into GameStop because I just feel like there's so much product pushing down my throat, whereas before I felt like I was going in and I was walking into a mom and pop shop. Where it was just like hey man what's going on uh, nothing just browsing okay let me know if you need anything and then occasionally someone would come over and just say well what kind of games are you interested in really into 3d platformers really into rpgs okay well have you heard of this spiritual successor to banjo kazooie called ukulele no great well have you heard of Ninokuni no kuni 2 wrath of the white witch the sequel to the original nina kuni no i haven't okay great well here's the you know and so um Revenant Kingdom, sorry, Wrath of the Right Witch was Nino Kuni 1. Just make sure I get my facts straight so the haters don't come after me. <laughs>
0: um, I was hating pretty hard for those like 10 seconds.
1: But yeah, GameStop was a place I wanted to be where now it is a place I'd go out of my way to avoid unless I'm trying to clean up used games and buy two, get four free type deals. Yeah. And the other interesting thing that I either heard or read about or read a tidbit or maybe I dreamed it, I don't know, um, but it sounds like Obviously, they're going to roll out all of Microsoft's products to the stores, so everyone there that works there is going to have like a little Microsoft tablet. I thought they'd also be in some way connecting your account with your Xbox, so they're going to be able to have an idea of the games you're playing on your Xbox. So instead of coming to the counter and saying like, "Hey, you're buying Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Are you interested in pre-ordering the next Call of Duty?" It's, "Hey." I'm seeing you buy, um, I saw that you were playing Assassin's Creed on your Xbox recently. Are you interested in pre-ordering or buying Valhalla? The fact or the idea, because I know my data is being collected nonstop. Literally the other day, I don't want to get into politics, but Lauren and I were talking about the the VP debates in abortion and that type of stuff. And minutes later, Lauren literally got a text about Planned Parenthood from like an anonymous 1-800 type number. So, like, I,
0: I, someone's listening.
1: I know Facebook, Instagram, everything else is collecting data about myself. Amazon, everything else, product purchase history, yada, yada, yada. But uh, the uh, idea of yeah. playing video games is me escaping the reality that I'm currently living in. Even <laughs> if PlayStation, Nintendo, and Microsoft are collecting data based on what I'm browsing in the store, what I'm playing, number of hours played, microphones hearing what i'm saying when i say fuck when i'm playing dark souls (laughs) they're gonna make it harder for the next one whatever but i still like the idea of telling myself that they're not collecting that data but going into a gamestop that i already hate as is and now the associates are saying like i see everything you play on your xbox are you interested in pre-ordering this other stuff makes me never want to go there ever again (laughs) Even more so, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I
0: definitely take the ignorance is blisk approach when it comes to video games. Yeah, like it, it's purely an escape from 2020. Yeah, <laughs> in this, but like, yeah, if if GameStop employees then through my data have the ability to watch me, not like physically watch me through the camera of like an Xbox, but like, hey, we saw you doing this. Yeah. You want to play this one? Like I don't want to interact with them, like zero percent. One because the personalities in the GameStop near us suck. Yeah, um, like they're really bad. But um, yeah, I. It's a slippery slope, and they're infringing on our or infringing on, encroaching encroaching mm-hmm. on. My safe space <laughs> of video games.
1: Yeah, and honestly, we I have no idea what this actually means. Um, I also have no idea what to kind of hand Microsoft is going to have in the direction of managing GameStops moving forward. Um, I hope for the better, you know? If I can go into a GameStop again and feel like I'm not having as much product pushed, I hope for the sake of GameStop employees... They don't have these insane quotas that they have to meet because yeah. that ultimately is driving the product pushing. It's not that these are a store associates just like love pushing stuff down our throats. It's the corporate managers
0: that say, "Hey, you need to meet these quotas or else X, Y, and Z happens." Yeah, but on like a positive note, I think it's a good, a good place for distribution. We already go in there for, like, I don't know how to change besides adding like teams and like maybe operating systems because they already are full of Microsoft stuff. Mm -hmm. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. I, there's little information right now, but I'm sure in the next couple of months Mm -hmm. when it's starting to be rolled out that we'll see for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, Ryan, that should be all the articles I have to talk about, but I actually have one more. That's not really a news article. It was just something that came across my attention that I want more people to know about. Okay. So I follow a lot of, um, I guess, indie developers out on Twitter that are currently developing 3D platformers, not specifically for a console. It's just they're kind of perpetually in development. Well, this account came across my Twitter feed because someone else I follow liked it by Wholesome Games. Mm -hmm. Wholesome Games shared this developer, this studio in... Um, I don't really know what country. I apologize in advance. Uh, Polar Griff. Polar Griff. So follow them on Twitter if you can. P O L A R G R Y P H. They're currently developing a 3D platformer called Soria. So I have the development page up for this particular game, and I just want to read briefly what this game is all about. Everyone else, go out there, Google 3D platformer Soria so it's on your radar. There's currently a demo out there. Okay, so bear with me here. Welcome to the homepage of the Soria demo, or for the Soria demo. Soria is a 3D atmospheric adventure platformer inspired by Scandinavian folklore. It's a fable of friendship and found family, oh, and finding family, that explores the bond between a fledgling griffin and a young boy. It's a story where we're all intimately familiar with Allowing the player to relate to the characters no matter their walk of life. The game revolves around Ask, a young boy who comes across a baby griffin named Eriki. After a mysterious golden castle appears on the horizon, the two orphans decide to begin a journey to discover its secrets and hopefully find a new home.
0: Nice.
1: Love the simplicity of the narrative. If you look at the graphical style and watch the gameplay trailer, it looks adorable. It looks kind of similar, like a hat in time, but with a more unique Play-Doh-like graphical aesthetic. Check out Soria, go on Google, go on Twitter, follow the developer, show them some love. I'm sure they could use it. Um, Half the development team liked my retweet of it because I said, like, this is my kind of game. And uh, I'm sure that type of stuff gets them excited and just gives them the motivation and boost they need to keep moving forward with development but definitely check it out it's a team of one two three four five six eight, eight people and you can currently download the demo uh on pc uh it's out there so check it out thanks but ryan as always when we record on sundays uh the steelers play later this afternoon and i need to go over to my dad's place and watch that yes so, so
0: are we skipping games we've played i
1: think we're gonna put games we've been playing recently on the back burner for next week uh, again, you can also write into the show in two ways. Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a more lengthy question, potentially if you're feeling ambitious. Yes. An audio question. Ryan and I love those. Anything that makes the show better. But you can also hop on the Discord. This week was insane. We got all kinds of new traffic of amazing friends of the show. We've got Femme Trooper, who I've known for years from the YouTube days. We've got Jenny, Johnny Depp fan, 1434, I think is her username wonderful person she's on the discord now we've also got dean from round two gaming Mm -hmm. tons of new awesome people you can be a new awesome friend of the show if you join our discord it's free there's a link in the show notes we love to have you there tons of fun discussion going at all times we also have a subset of the forum there on the discord called the question block the listener question block is a segment of the show where ryan and i love to answer all of your amazing questions so please next episode Ryan and I are going to do an episode debriefing our impressions of the new Netflix exclusive show, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. We're going to be talking about all of the more recent games that we've been playing recently, and we would love to answer all of your amazing questions. So get on the Discord, ask us a bunch of questions, anything that makes the show better. We're all about it. But as I always do at the end of the Otakobliss podcast, I turn it back to my co-host Ryan and ask him if he has any parting words for our listeners,
0: yeah. I guess it's starting to become fall. Um, the leaves are changing, so enjoy your pumpkin spice, s- your sweaters, and uh, stay warm. Stay classy, stay cozy. Purple's the best color.
1: We'll see you next week, folks. See ya.